You're listening to I Quit My Job, a podcast about songwriting, with your hosts, Travis Reitzma and Derek Harrison. I quit my job. I quit my job. I quit my job. I'm free today. Hey folks, Travis here. Welcome to the 18th episode of I Quit My Job. Perhaps you've never heard of our guest for this episode, but Kevin Head has been performing, writing, recording, and even acting across Canada for nearly 40 years, releasing his first of many albums back in 1971. Hailing initially from Nova Scotia, the songwriter often known as the original salt cod cowboy now lives in Kingston, Ontario, and has carved out a life of artistry for himself. He's performed on some of the biggest stages this country has to offer, including Massey Hall, and has worked with and performed alongside some of the finest musicians around, including the Rankins, Charlie Major, Krista Berg, Ken Pearson, and Kate McGarrigal. We're really excited to have him on the podcast. Derek caught up with Kevin at the legendary Transact Club in Toronto and managed to cover a ton of ground for this short interview. Kevin talks about the writing of his song, The Arrow, which you'll hear just before the interview starts. And they also cover the difficulty of trying to sustain a life in the Canadian folk music scene, the many hats that musicians often have to wear to do so, and how playing live music has changed over the years. This is quite a different perspective than we've had before on the podcast, so stay tuned for Derek's interview with Kevin Head. Once again, the song you're about to hear is called The Arrow from his album, Kevin Head Live. got a gun and a knife from another man's life Gifts of a father passed down to the son The gun's long been sold and the knife I still hold Cause it's part of the arrow before the thief shut her down Now it's pure carbon steel, cold to the feel, sharp as a razor, rings like a bell, but impossible to hold, cause the stories it's told, cause everyone that touches it goes straight to hell. So boys will be boys Now they like to play with toys Stealing daddy's whiskey And tossing the knife And a simple game of chicken A throw that should have missed him The slide of a hand Took my brother's life And mama's just crying at the table Daddy's hit the bottle pretty hard For me, I've got the curse of another man's bargain And a part of the arrow is buried somewhere in my yard And the funeral day came Folks said it's a shame 
How such a tragedy could take a young man's life But I wouldn't go I didn't want no one to know I held my own service when I buried that knife So Christmas comes and goes And the birthdays do too It's the passage of time It takes so long to mend The wounds that cut so deep Still haunt me in my sleep Till I wake up screaming To have that day again Mama's just crying at the table Daddy's hit the bottle mighty hard For me I got the curse Of another man's bargain Part of the arrow is buried somewhere in my yard I had a gun and a knife From another man's life The gifts of a father Passed down to the son That the gun's long been sold And the knife no one will hold Cause it was part of the arrow Before the thief Shut her down uh, That song uh, I started writing New Year's Eve Oh, I just even forget I was actually did a sound check for a New Year's Eve show at the Grand Theater in Kingston and I came home and I wanted to write a song about something to do with my family and uh, my uh, father actually worked on the arrow and I actually have that knife and I actually have the gun oh, yeah. I've got the gun that was mentioned uh, when he died like their gifts and stuff uh-huh. and uh, I started writing a song and but it, the song took a life of its own and I'll never forget it because all of a sudden we're, th- we're robbing the old man's liquor cabinet, which yeah. we did anyways. Didn't everybody. <laughs> Didn't everybody. Uh, and then we're playing with, you know, we're throwing this knife. And it was a big knife. It's a big, like, hunting knife. And we're like, I mean, I used to, like, throw knives when I was a kid. You throw them at trees, you balance them. So all of a sudden we're throwing them at each other, playing a little game. And somebody... It's unfortunate. So the, the the deal is is that that part, everything else in the song is true. That okay. part is not true. That part. So, but the problem was, so I got that far in the song, and I was clear I was in a jam, and I looked at the time, and I was, I gotta get down to the show, and I had to go play the show, yeah. and I'm down to play. It's New Year's Eve, and I came back the next day, and I went, and I looked, you know, it's New Year's Eve. So I get up the next morning, afternoon, and go, oh yeah, get and I look at this thing, and oh man, oh man, I, this guy. My brother died in my song last <laughs> night. And I went, oh, this is awful. This is terrible. And you do have a brother. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It yeah, is, he heard the song. And I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah. Okay. So, uh, but that was a, that's, I mean, that was a kind of crazy thing. And, mm-hmm. then, and then I had to figure out, okay, so I'm going to leave him dead. I'm going to say that this actually happened. Um, and then just about, but what if this did happen? Mm-hmm. Where would I be and how would I be? So that, and that's how you finish the story? Yeah, just the, you know you wake up screaming and stuff like that. But but everything else, no, because people say did that really happen? And so everything about the death 
actually did that. Yeah, yeah I was but, curious where the line between truth and fiction came in that song. Um, I read yeah. an interview that said that it's partly true, and so I was curious, where exactly does that part be? Where does yeah, that line line? well, all songs, I, I think, I mean, I'm not, I don't claim to be a storytelling songwriter, although I, I wish I was, and that would be like one of the story songs I've told, mm -hmm. but you, you get involved, like another song, song I wrote recently was just about this couple, and it started as one woman who was having a really hard time, and she's basically walked out in her guy, and then I thought, oh, and then also the next verse, I thought, oh, I got guy's point of view, and those guys, have, they're just having a bad day. They're having a really rough life. That's right. all there is to it. And they're about people. And they're not, they're not supposed to be related. And so then I end up with this bridge about, you know, traveling, you know, just winds of change, go west or whatever. And then all of a sudden, now I've just written a verse about a couple who are living in a trailer in Crown Land, but the Mounties are moving in to kick them off, and they're so desperate, they're going to make their last stand. So... Now I've decided the listener is going to think it's about a woman and a guy, and actually they take off and now they're living in a trailer in, in Kenora. And so the story told itself. Right, it takes a little bit of its own. But initially it was like. Yeah. It seems well, so basic when you start it, right? Yeah. Does, does, all, does your process of writing songs always go that way? Does, is there always a point where it takes on a life of its oh, own? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, totally. Because you start. Uh, yeah, I think. I mean, I say, oh yeah, totally, right off the bat there. Uh, but then I'm now questioning myself. But a lot, I'd say, a lot of times. Yeah. It. You, you, maybe okay with this a verse and a chorus. All of a sudden, oh, and then your hand is moving. <laughs> and then you're just like, oh, and then this, oh, oh, and all of a sudden this, and you, what? Well, that's neat. Yeah. I never thought of that. Or you know, it, it ends up all of a sudden you're writing something different than what you were thinking. Mm -hmm. Who's moving my hand? What or what? Than what you were consciously thinking. Yeah. It's, who knows what you know? Your yeah. subconscious is doing down there, right? Yeah. Because I find when I write, a lot of the time I'll go back and I'll be, I'll realize later what I meant. Yeah. And that's I didn't right. think I meant that yeah. initially. And I'm like, oh, that's what I'm talking. About. And also, maybe you found this too. Um, another song that I've written, it, it, it wasn't complete, and when I added the verse to make it complete, it changed the song. It changed the meaning of all the previous verses. All, yeah. All of yeah. a sudden. Went, well, that puts a whole, you know, mm. which meant, I love that. you know, you know as a writer, so. Yeah. Thanks for being on the podcast. No, thanks you for doing it. Like yeah. a podcast on songwriters. Like, oh, this is cool. And I was on the train. I was kind of yeah. looking at what it was and whatever. Oh, well, there you go. So. Yeah, you're the first time anyone's ever come right out and said, yeah, I wasn't sure at first. Like, I explicitly told me that. And, you know, I understand. That's sort of what I expect the reaction to be at this stage. Well, I, I thought the big question was, I quit my job, and I was thinking, I never had a job. This <laughs> no. is my only job I've ever had, and I've never really? quit it. So, what if he asked, "What job did you quit to become a songwriter?" It's like I'm kind of euchred on that one because I didn't quit a job. That's all yeah. I've ever done. Well, do you know the song, the um, Old Man Ludicky song? I've heard it. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's the reference. Yes. Right. Okay. Wow, that's a, there's a good reference. I wanted to tie it into somebody who's like an iconic Canadian folk songwriter because that's kind of the area we're looking after. But also, I think the romantic idea of like, and that's when we quit our job and went, you know, full time, which to, I don't know if that really That'd be exists in, uh, in the modern how do you, music how do you industry. Eat? I mean, if you quit your job, yeah. how do you pay your bills? Well, you tell me. You said you've never had a job. Uh, many things theater, music, yeah, okay. play, sub out, be a guitar player for one band. I mean, I, I can't, I, I mean, maybe once upon a time. Um, you could, 
I mean, I know people that are sort of making a living, but what's, what's the joke in Toronto? This, we're celebrating the 40th year of the $100 gig. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, so 40 okay. years ago, if you had three or four jobs for a week for $100, you did that's, okay. That's okay. And that's how uh, you managed to sustain it this long? Well, no, you do other things. I mean, yeah. every, everybody does. You might play in two or three, like lots of musicians. A songwriter might be a guitar player in a, one band or a mm -hmm. bass player in another band. You know, or do theater, musical theater. I've yeah. done a lot of that, as well as being an actor. I mean, you can't. I, I don't know. Or unless you want to be on the road all the time. Oh, what fun that is. What fun, right? It's, it's, it's exciting the first <laughs> few times. But, when you know, you're under 30. Yeah, and I'm not even 30 yet, but I'm already... I'm, oh, yeah. I'm feeling the end. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm past this now. <laughs> but, that uh, was okay when, uh, until the van broke down and uh, wow, wow, and it was minus 30. And, then all, the, and all the okay. infighting and everything. You know, <laughs> start to hate each other. Um, and then again, always $100 gigs, right? How do you yeah. split that between five or six guys? <laughs> I was just talking about solos. I mean, I don't know bands work for $100. Used yeah. to be, well, I mean, I thought $100, if it's a five-piece band, it's $500. Used to be. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> so even, even solos, can, I, two or three hundred dollars, uh, was a fortune back in the 80s, I'm not, oh, yeah. which is regular for solos, and bands were making $1,000. That was like normal. But right. bars were jammed with people, and everybody was making money. Mm -hmm. Everybody was happy. So when you first started out, did you have to pay for drinks at gigs? No, 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 never. Never. All right. No. When did that change? Well, I, I, I think I got one here. They give me one. Uh, I've never. Yeah, I've played here before. They, yeah, they, they, I, they I've never, you. as a rule, don't. You just don't. Like, you just don't. But I mean, you don't abuse it. Like one oh, or two, maybe. You know. But but years ago in the eighties, club owners wanted to give you drinks because they, if you're drinking and walking around and schmoozing. You're encouraging people to drink. They drink more, yeah. Everybody's happy. So if they send a round of shooters to the band on stage and you hold them up and say, ah, then everybody at the bar all of a sudden wants a shooter. Exactly. Not anymore. <laughs> well, they still do, but now somebody's got to foot that bill. Yeah. The band at the end of the night's like, whoa. No, that's a buddy of mine said I was coming down to this. And he's been at the arts for a long time. He said, show up late, be really, really drunk, and say rude things, and, and they'll love you. He was kidding. I think it depends on the space. <laughs> I think there is a time and a place for that. I was talking about the, you, about the interview. Oh, he's talking. Oh, yeah. really? <laughs> I said I gotta get there early because I gotta. <laughs> so, sorry if it dates you, but when did you start it? When I was writing songs in 1970 and recording, yeah, and then did my first album in '71. So that's what five or ten years ago, right? Yeah, five or ten. First album <laughs> in 1971. Third album in 2012. Oh, no, not third. Lots in there. Oh, there is? Oh, oh I, yeah, I've read. Yeah. I must have oh, read some bad oh, information. Well, well, no, there's different independent ones. So oh, okay. there was two CBC albums in there. My first original like album was in Halifax 1979. Okay. And then I was part of a, some uh, compilation records. So you lived out in Halifax at the Oh, time? yeah. From 74 to 81. And playing all the clubs down there. Went from playing in the very, very worst skanky bars for 50 bucks a night, right up to playing in the Rebecca Cohen Auditorium opening for Chris DeBerg. Oh, and then So did the music direct your moving from... Are you, what, what part of the country are you from? Uh, well, originally family maritimes. Okay. Uh, my first part of life was around Ontario because my okay. father was working at Avro. Oh, yeah. I moved to Montreal as a change and started playing in all kinds of folk clubs and writing songs. I just went to Halifax just for something different. 
Okay. Just because I wanted to, and really like like the bar, you know, like playing in all the clubs, and then acting in National Arts Center Ottawa, and then back in Ontario, and you know. How long have you been back in Ontario? Oh, decades. Decades now. Yeah, just this like work. I mean, I work. It still work. Good. Um, right now it's slow, so maybe three jobs a weekend, maybe two. Okay. In the summertime, four or five. Yep. And they're good jobs, they're nice jobs, or festivals, or little concerts, or mm-hmm. little concert clubs, or private functions and stuff. It's work. You know? and I'm, I'm over 60 years old, so I'm just grateful to be asked on here to do this with these guys. Like, you know, or have you all the blues? Thank you. So you mentioned that you haven't been, that you're not into, you don't gig in Toronto very much. So it hasn't been a while. Here, it was at the Free Times Cafe. Oh, yeah. That was like decades ago. And really? Before that, it was Massey Hall. So why, why is that? I don't know. They never get, they never asked me. Yeah. I don't know. I guess no. What's the joke about in Toronto when you play a bar, one person comes, yeah. and he's there to steal your gig, <laughs> and I don't want to be that guy. You don't want to be that guy. So yeah, these London musicians asked me to come down and play this. Uh, we met recently at a function, and said, wow, somebody yeah. asked me to play. There's a, another famous story I'll tell you about a songwriter, Angus Finnan, who was, uh, I, he's in charge of maybe Ontario Council Folk Festival, something okay. else, somebody will correct you or me. He started the uh, Shelter Valley Folk Festival. Oh, yes. He was a, he is, still is a brilliant singer-songwriter. Had a couple great records produced by Paul Mills. He was going to be the next greatest thing after Stan Rogers. I hired him a couple times when I was putting on little concerts, and he showed up. He was just so awesome. And then he dropped out of sight. Yep. And I didn't see him. I didn't see him. So I wonder what ever happened to him. And I bumped into him at a music festival a couple of years ago, and I didn't even recognize him. And it was, how long had it been? Well... It, he had to introduce himself because he was always like kind of clean cut. So and I said, "What happened to you?" And he said, "Well, I, I, I was I was songwriting. I re- released these records. I was traveling across the country. I borrowed money. I bought a van and equipment. I played these towns. I posted them. I get people tickets. I do newspaper interviews. And I'd be on the phone. I'm working, working, working. So one day I woke up and I said, "What if I just stop?" <laughs> So stop up. So stop being on the phone, pushing my career, pushing, you know, phoning people, clubs, festivals. Then what if I just stop? And I'm standing and yeah, yeah, okay. And what happened? And he looked at me and I said, nothing. What? What do you mean? He said, well, I waited a day. I didn't make any calls. I didn't send emails. I didn't do anything. His entire life, his entire career. So wait a day, a week, a month. Yeah. And he looked at me and said, Kevin, nothing happened and he said nobody called nothing happened wow. and he, he then he says the only reason why we're having this conversation the artistic director of this festival that hired you called me and asked me to come and play mm-hmm. so that ties in the fact that why am i here because uh, i ran with these guys at a function and said hey would you come down yeah. so some of us you know there is the whole aspect of being a songwriter being a performer works you, you know from nine in the morning till noon you're on your computer, you're hustling, you're trying to push your songs, you're emailing radio stations, you're sending them discs and it's causing you a fortune. You get a, a, a publicist and they're pushing for you and everybody's like pushing for you. Yeah, you gotta go here, this guy goes this. And then, so you do that all morning and people have told me this. And then the afternoon you practice, you write or you rehearse or whatever it is you do. So the theory is what if you didn't? And you know what happens? Nothing. <laughs> uh, that's bleak. That's well, I, you know, and I, I'm okay with it, and I've accepted that. Um, 
I certainly can't sure if it's just maybe something for writers or other people to think about. But you have to if you're you're running your own business. You're yeah. a shoestring budget. You've got to let people know you know, who, the, the council of folk festivals. So who are the artistic directors? You want to see when yeah. are the deadlines for all the folk festivals? Where's my EPR? You know the EP get you know the kit. There's just so much practical work <laughs> beyond the radio art. stations that are listening to independent recordings. Mm -hmm. and everybody's got these lists. And like, how do I, how do I get on? CBC Radio, how do I, how do I get a Newfoundland guy? Yeah. You know, how, how, hey, I, I could be on his show. <laughs> and well, make it CDs, how, how do I open for Stuart McLean's Final Cafe? Everybody wants to do that, right? <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> hey, this year's folk festival, it's all been hired because we're, we've hired everybody because of the people we refused last year. So there's actually only two places left and one of them is sort of spoken for because it's the sister of the artistic director and the other right. place um, the other place there's actually uh, 1,288 submissions for that other place for that spot so I just kind of go yeah <laughs> yeah this is this is working yeah so how so is it worth it not to you not, not for me I just I just find ways to enjoy myself and yeah. songs even at bars, clubs, whatever, I don't, I don't care. You don't tour much? No, no, that was my other definition of success. After, as you know this, you're on the road and you hate it, what's real success? What's playing gigs and sleeping in your own bed every day. So, just playing music and enjoying yep. sharing and playing music. All right, so, <laughs> onwards. Of the string, the sawdust is a flying, stepping begins. The tartans are weaving hand over hand, the rites of tradition would strike up the band. Saturday night in South Marguerite, the town hall is a brimming and the laughter is free. Well, they come from close by and they come from away. It's the music what bring them and the fiddles they play. My father's own father lay the plank on the floor the Women served chowder when they opened the doors There was pies, there was cake and homebrew and rum Well, they played it all night till the last tune was done Saturday night in South Marguerite The town hall is brimming, the laughter is free Yeah, they come from close by and they come from away It's a music what bring them and the fiddles they play It's a hundred and ten, a thousand to one The place is still standing, her timbers are strong 
An event would be called, they'll be there for sure To the weddings and the meetings, the Cayleys galore Yeah, Saturday night in South Marguerite The town hall is brim and the laughter is free Well, they come from close by and they come from away It's the music what bring them and the fiddles they play Saturday night in South Marguerite The town hall is a brim and the laughter is free And they come from close by and they come from away It's a music what bring them and the fiddles they play Yeah, the music what bring them and the fiddles they play It's a music what bring them and the fiddles they play Thank you so much. Yeah. The song you just heard is called Saturday Night in South Marguerite. Both that song and The Arrow can be found on Kevin's latest release, Kevin Head Live. He has some shows coming up if you're in the Eastern Ontario region as well. He plays Friday, February the 12th at the Stand Easy in Kingston. That show starts at 9 p.m. On Saturday the 13th, he plays two shows, one at 6 p.m. in Westport, Ontario at the Cove County Inn, and then at 10 p.m. at the Firehall Theatre in Gananoque. He's back at Westport's Cove County Inn on the 27th of February, and then on March 4th, he plays a 6.30 p.m. show at the Grindstone in Brockville. You can find out more about Kevin and his music at kevinheadmusic.com. As for us, you can find us at all the usual places, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook with the handle IQMJPod, SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash IQuitMyJob with dashes between all those words. And you can find us on iTunes where you can and should subscribe and also rate and review us. Those things help us grow our listenership more than anything else, so it would be greatly appreciated if you could do that. And of course, there's our website, IQMJPod.com, where you can listen to all 18 episodes, find out more about the podcast and about Derek and I, if that's something you're interested in. The sun sits on the American side Let's go down to the river tonight They're in the sky keeping a close eye Just never know when we're gonna strike Right now you're hearing Ron Leary's song The Road In Between, the title track to his 2006 album. Life ain't so bad in a border town Name your vice, it should be found Whiskey's cheap for another beer There's no sense sleeping till the sun is here Next week we have a very special episode of I Quit My Job that features an interview I conducted with one of my best friends, Ron Leary. I must confess there are these times Where I just gotta leave to clear my mind Head on east down a highway Just a couple of hours Make it okay Ron and I go back more than a decade And I can honestly say that I would never have stepped on a stage If it weren't for Ron taking me under his wing When I was about 21 years old The way I play guitar And even the inflection on my voice when I sing Are basically direct rip-offs of Leary's style 
I tried my best when I was younger to channel whatever he was doing on stage directly into what I was doing. There is simply no greater musical influence in my life than Ron. The interview you'll hear next week is actually the second time we've interviewed him. We had originally planned to release an episode with Ron as the very first interview last year, but then a few things happened. At the time, Ron had just moved back to Windsor after a long stint living in Toronto and attempting to maintain both a life in music and also work as a construction worker full-time. Even though he had moved back to Windsor, he was still traveling back and forth, four hours each way for construction gigs. We caught him as he was eating some pierogies, still groggy from the exhaustion he was experiencing every day. Derek and I rushed into his kitchen and set up microphones, and we were eager to start this venture, but the truth is we had no idea what we were doing. That combined with Ron's understandable state led to a subdued interview without much in the way of usable material. We just didn't know how to ask the right questions. So we shelved it with a promise that we would again do it when the time was right. So a few weeks ago, I sat down with Ron in a much better state. Once again focused on music and music alone, and me being a much better interviewer, we managed to get a lot more in the way of usable stuff. But to end off this episode, we're going to play you some clips from that original interview last January and let you listen to the song that Ron played for the end of that interview, one that is yet to be recorded anywhere else. Despite it all, that performance remains one of the best we've had on the podcast. So enjoy, and we'll see you next week with our second interview with Ron Leary. And the road in between is what I need. I got to know Struggle pretty well as an artist, and I think I've always kind of, I, just like the underdog, I, I write about the underdog a lot, and because uh, I feel closest to that. I, that's, that's the folks that interest me and excite me. And last few years, bills piling up, oh, it's always month to month. There was a period there where I didn't write many songs for one year, and I was disgusted in my output. So I made a commitment to writing a song or two a month for the entire next year, uh, just to kind of get back into the exercise of writing. Get the muscles um, working. Yeah, I, I become extremely miserable if yeah. I have too, too many days off in between yeah. shows. I get very miserable and I'll do the same. I'll go to open mics and just to, uh, you know, calm, calm the spirit. Oh, yeah. I've been pretty fortunate to be around a great community in Toronto and a great community here in Windsor. So um, they're both very different. Uh, it is important if you're going to be an artist to have time to hone your craft. It's the most important thing. So if you can live cheaply and not work 80 hours a week, you, you might be able to get something interesting to come out. But then again, if you, see, I got a lot of songs coming up my next album about working like a, like that, yeah. like a dog. So, yeah. I just started writing songs when I was a kid. I don't know why, what the reasoning was. Uh, I enjoy writing songs and I 
you know it's like some are very painful to get out like it's like it's like you're in labor for hours and some just slip on out there and uh yeah whatever i you know i'll often get pretty grumpy if i go more than a month without writing a song i often yeah i enjoy the process of writing and it's something that's always uh, excited me and it still does i i enjoy the creation of a song uh it's a very pleasurable thing for me and even if i know it's a like a piece of crap i still enjoy writing it and i don't need to ever play it again but uh, it was a fun thing to do it's 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 the number one driving factor in my life and i assume it will always be that way after all these years of holding on to you after all these years holding on to Every word has its own like rhythm and melody, and it has a 100% perfectly match up with mm-hmm. the melody and rhythm of the song. So, so uh, yeah, that uh, I don't even know what the hell I'm talking about right now. <laughs> I was walking down the highway. Looking for a new place to land I was walking down the highway Gotta keep rolling, rolling on I was drinking My pay away I was walking down the alleyway, kicking stones, got no place to go. Yeah. I was walking down the alleyway, down at the dive bar, and there's nowhere else to go. I was drinking, I'm drinking, sailing. I was drinking. Another night away